Hello, and welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com, the official podcast of the airsafe.com foundation. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis, the head of the foundation and the creator of airsafe.com, your reliable source of airline safety and security information since 1996. This week, I'd like to take a look back, specifically at the major events that made up the year 2005. Airsafe.com, as you all probably know, keeps a steady track of fatal events as well as other significant events affecting airline transportation, where a fatal event is any event where a, an airline passenger is killed during the course of the, of the flight. Without further ado, let's get right into the record for 2005. During that year, there were 17 events that were noteworthy in the annals of airsafe.com, 12 of which were fatal events and 5 of which were technically not fatal events. Fatal events include any circumstance where one or more passengers on the aircraft die from causes that are directly related to the operation of that aircraft. The fatal event may be due to an accident or due to a deliberate act by another passenger, a crew member, or by one or more persons not on the aircraft. These events include sabotage, hijacking, or military action, and exclude cases where the only passenger deaths were due to hijackers, saboteurs, or stowaways. This review focuses on fatal events involving passengers for two reasons. First, events affecting passenger safety are the kind of events that are most likely to lead to significant changes in the ways that aircraft are designed, built, and operated. A second and closely related reason is that threats to passenger safety are a very high interest item for both the traveling public and for the world's media. This review also limits its scope to the types of aircraft that are commonly used in regular airline service in North America and Western Europe. This excludes propeller-driven aircraft designed within the former Soviet Union, and smaller propeller-driven aircraft that are typically configured to carry less than 10 passengers. Another class of flights that are excluded are those where the general public does not have an opportunity to fly as a passenger. This would include situations such as flights on corporate aircraft, military aircraft, or private charters. In 2005, there were a total of 17 occurrences that were considered to be significant safety events by Airsafe.com and our partner, AirGuideOnline.com. Some of the noteworthy facts about these events include the following. Twelve of the 17 were considered to be fatal events as defined by airsafe.com. Fifteen of these 17 occurrences, including three events not considered to be fatal events as defined by airsafe.com, involved the death of at least one person. In one case, a passenger who acted in a threatening manner was killed by air marshals. A second case also involved a passenger whose behavior was considered threatening by passengers and crew and a third case involved the death of someone outside the aircraft. In the other non-fatal but noteworthy events, one aircraft was slightly damaged, and the other was completely destroyed. Of the 12 occurrences considered to be fatal events as defined by airsafe.com, nine involved large jet transports, and three involved propeller-driven aircraft. In six of the 12 events, all passengers and crew were killed. There were a total of 748 passengers and 50 crew members killed in those 12 fatal events, with 38 crew members and 680 passengers among the survivors. An additional three deaths were associated with occurrences not considered to be fatal events, as defined by airsafe.com. Of the six fatal events with survivors, two events involved the death of all crew members and over 80% of the passengers, while the other four fatal events resulted in the deaths of between 60 and 99% of the passengers. Two of the 17 significant events also resulted in the deaths of people outside the aircraft. In one case, 47 were killed, and the other one person was killed. Two of these 17 significant events were related to the threatening actions of a passenger, but none involved hijacking, sabotage, or other deliberate actions by individuals or groups.
An updated summary of all of these events is available on OurSafe.com. Uh, simply search for uh, Fatal Events for 2005, and you should have all of these plus additional information. There are two noteworthy trends that are evident in the 2005 experience. As has been the case over the past several years, the majority of the fatal events occurred outside of the major industrialized countries of the world. Two of these events were in Western Europe, and one each was in North America and in Australia, but the other eight were distributed in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. While the historical trend of the developing world accounting for most of the fatal events held true in 2005, a different kind of trend continued in 2005. The U.S. and Canada, two countries that consistently account for over half of the world's jet airline travel, has not experienced a fatal event involving large jet transports since November 2001. Prior to this gap in fatal events, there had never been a four-year period in U.S. and Canadian airline activity where there were no events fatal to passengers flying either on U.S. or Canadian jet airliners or on jet airliners from other countries flying in U.S. or Canadian airspace. The second noteworthy trend is that among the 17 most significant aviation safety-related events of 2005, the ones that probably had the greatest impact on the public's perception of safety were three situations that are not considered fatal events by airsafe.com. It's no coincidence that these events took place in North America and also had substantial coverage by the major media organizations of the U.S., Canada, and elsewhere. Events in North America have a disproportionate effect on airline safety in part because of the central role that the U.S. aviation industry and the U.S. government has in setting design, operational, and safety standards that are followed by the rest of the world. Also, over half the world's jet airliner flights involve U.S. and Canadian carriers. Perhaps the most well-known of these three was the latest event, the December 10, 2005 runway overrun accident involving a Southwest Airlines 737 at Chicago's Midway Airport. The aircraft went beyond the boundary of the airport, striking two cars on a nearby intersection. While no passengers or crew were injured on the aircraft, one of the automobile passengers, a six-year-old boy, was killed. It was clear from the media coverage and from the response of Southwest Airlines leadership that the death of a child turned this otherwise minor airliner accident into an event that was taken very seriously by the NTSB and particularly by Southwest Airlines. While Southwest had airline accidents in the past, including a 2000 runway overrun incident where the aircraft ended up on a street just beyond the airport boundary in Burbank, California. This was the first event in the airline's history involving any kind of fatality. The fact that it involved the death of a small child intensified the media's and the public's interest. It's still early in the investigation, and it's too early to tell if this tragic occurrence will also affect industry-wide regulations or operational procedures. The most spectacular event of 2005 was undoubtedly the August 2nd crash of an Air France A340 in Toronto, Canada. In spite of the fact that the aircraft was severely damaged and several exits were not usable, all the passengers and crew were able to successfully escape from the burning aircraft. What made this a spectacular crash is that it took place in one of the largest media markets in North America, and more importantly, live pictures of the burning aircraft were broadcast around the world, with many networks interrupting their regular coverage. Because it took place in the afternoon... It became the lead story in major newspapers and other media outlets around the globe. As is the case with the Southwest accident, the investigation is ongoing, and it may be months before suspected causes may be identified by the investigating authorities. The other key event was actually a minor event that would not even be classified as an accident by the FAA. The emergency landing of a JetBlue A320 in Los Angeles on September 21st was in many ways unremarkable. Due to mechanical malfunction, the nose wheels were turned almost sideways, making a normal landing impossible. 
while the landing was not normal, the flight crew and ground crews implemented their respective emergency procedures and landed the plane without injury or serious aircraft damage. The local media, which even before the famous police chase of accused murderer O.J. Simpson, had become world leaders in the field of covering breaking news events from the air, had ample time to position news helicopters to cover both the emergency preparations and the landing itself, and as a result there was substantial live coverage of the event, including the aircraft landing safely amid a spectacular shower of sparks. One factor made this event unique in the annals of aviation history. JetBlue provides live satellite television to all of the passengers in its aircraft, including live feeds from news networks such as CNN. Until the final stages of the flight, passengers were able to follow coverage of their own emergency. For obvious reasons, this caused more than a small amount of stress for some passengers. This JetBlue event has led some in the airline industry to rethink their passenger entertainment policy, with some even considering turning off the service during in-flight emergencies. This may seem to be a prudent reaction in the wake of JetBlue, but it's a reaction that misses some key points about this uh, particular JetBlue event. This is a rare situation where major television news organizations were willing to offer continuous live coverage of an ongoing event where the emergency itself occurred over a relatively long period of time and where the aircraft's passenger entertainment system remained fully operational. This is in sharp contrast to most aircraft emergencies where the situation was resolved one way or the other before news organizations have a chance to break into their programming. Right now I'd like to quickly run through the 17 events starting with the 12 fatal events. On the 3rd of February, there was a Cam Air 737-200 that crashed near Kabul, Afghanistan. In that crash, all eight uh, crew members and 96 passengers were killed. On the 20th of April, Saha Air 707-300 near Tehran, Iran, crashed into uh, an airport near the river during a departure accident. While all 12 crew members survived, reportedly three of the 157 passengers were killed after they fell into a river during the evacuation. The 7th of May uh, event was the only Australian event. That was an Aerotropics Air Services Metro Liner 3 that crashed near Lockhart River, Australia, killing both crew members and all 13 passengers. On the 6th of August, there was a crash of a Tunitaire ATR-72 near Palermo, Italy. In that case, uh, two of the four crew members and 14 of the 35 passengers were killed. The aircraft apparently uh, ditched off the coast of Palermo. The 14th of August saw uh, the crash of... Helios Airways uh, 737-300 near Grammaticos, Greece, and that was a uh, long and drawn-out uh, affair. Apparently, the flight crew was disabled, and late word has it that a member of the cabin crew who had some training in flight was manipulating the controls shortly before the aircraft ran out of fuel. Uh, all six crew members and 115 passengers were killed in that crash. Just two days later, on the 16th of August, a West Caribbean Airways MD-82 that was on a, a flight from Panama City to Martinique crashed uh, near Venezuela, in Venezuela rather, killing all eight crew members and 152 passengers. A week later, on the 23rd of August, there was a fatal event involving a TAN-737-200 aircraft near Pulcapa, Peru, apparently crashed shortly after takeoff in part due to severe weather conditions. Four of the six crew members and 35 of the 92 passengers were killed in that event. On the 5th of September, a Mandala Airline 737-200 in Medan, Indonesia, uh, crashed shortly after takeoff, hitting several houses in a residential area just outside, just beyond the runway. 
All five crew members and 97 of the 112 passengers were killed, as were 47 people on the ground. Three days later, on the 8th of September, there was an emergency evacuation of a Saudi Arabian airline 747-400 in Colombo, Sri Lanka, due to a bomb threat. There were several dozen injuries among the 430 passengers and 22 crew members, and one of those passengers later died of their injuries. Later investigation found no bomb on the aircraft. The 22nd of October saw the first of two fatal events involving Nigerian airliners. In this case, it was a Bellevue Airlines 737-200 that was in a flight from Lagos to the capital of Abuja and crashed en route. All six crew members and 111 passengers were killed. On the 10th of December, the second of the two fatal Nigerian events for 2005, saw the crash of a DC-9 from Sosoliso Airlines. The aircraft was on a flight from Abuja to Port Harcourt and crashed during landing. All seven crew members and 103 of the 107 passengers on board were killed. The last fatal event of the year was on the 19th of December in Miami. Uh, Chalks Ocean Airways' Grumman Mallard uh, twin turboprop seaplane crashed shortly after takeoff when it experienced an in-flight breakup. Both crew members and all 18 passengers were killed. This was an unusual event in that there are very few examples of this aircraft being used in commercial airline service anywhere. In addition to the 12 fatal events mentioned earlier, there were five significant events that were not defined as fatal events because of the circumstances of the accident or the situation. The first was a March 18th event involving an American Airlines 767 en route from Los Angeles to New York's JFK Airport. In short, a passenger was... a acting in a threatening manner during the flight, and reportedly seven passengers helped to restrain the passenger during the latter stages of this flight. And at some point during all this, the passenger had difficulty breathing. And after landing at JFK, the person was taken to a hospital and later died. And the medical examiner in New York ruled the death an accident caused by acute cocaine and alcohol intoxication, which was aggravated by the passenger's heart trouble. There were no other crew members or passengers seriously injured or killed during this event. The 2nd of August saw the crash of the Air France A340 that was mentioned earlier. The 21st of September saw the JetBlue event, which I also discussed earlier. On the 7th of December in Miami, there was an American Airlines 757 that was about to depart for Orlando when one of the passengers started to act uh, in an unusual manner. There were two Sky Marshals who were on board the aircraft who uh, confronted the passenger who did not follow the Sky Marshal's commands and the Sky Marshal shot and killed this person. This event was also noteworthy because this was the first time since 9-11 that Air Marshals had fired a weapon on or near an aircraft. The following day, on the 8th of December, was the Southwest Airlines accident in Chicago, which again I mentioned earlier. During this podcast, I've mentioned the phrase fatal event several times. That has a very specific definition within airsafe.com and events that end up on the site are either categorized as being a fatal event or not being a fatal event. And it's probably instructive right now to tell you what that definition is. A fatal event is any circumstance where one or more passengers die during the flight from causes that are directly related to a civilian airline flight. The fatal event may be due to an accident or due to a deliberate act by another passenger, a crew member, or by one or more persons not on the aircraft. These events include sabotage, hijacking, or military action, and exclude cases where the only passenger deaths were to hijackers, saboteurs, or stowaways. 
Also excluded are situations where the only deaths are to crew members or to people outside of the aircraft. Well, that's it for the roundup for 2005. Compared to past years where airsafe.com has done this sort of evaluation, 2005 is not spectacular in that it's not the year with the lowest number of fatal events or the highest, nor are there any particular trends that are worrisome for the future. Let's hope that 2006 is an even better year. Before we end the show, I'd like to remind all my listeners that this podcast is sponsored by the Airsafe.com Foundation. This nonprofit organization is responsible for this podcast and for a variety of other efforts to further the public's understanding of aviation safety and aviation security. For information about the foundation or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit the foundation at airsafe.org. Thanks for listening. For more information about airline safety, you can find us at airsafe.com. That's A-I-R-S-A-F-E dot com. Or you can find us at the airsafe.com foundation website, airsafe.org at A-I-R-S-A-F-E dot org. Or type the words airline safety into your favorite search engine. We're probably on the first page of results. Feel free to write to us at our email address, theconversation at airsafe.com. And we'll see you next time.